Matthew 18, here we are in week number six of this 10-week series called 10 Choices. So week number six, and I want to read this text and then tell you the decision that we should make this week. So Matthew 18, look in verse number 21. I will encourage you in your own time to read to the end of the chapter, to read all the way down through verse number 35. And this morning, for sake of time, I'm just going to read two verses. Matthew 18, verse number 21. Then came Peter unto him, him being Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? So understand in the Jewish culture, it was magnanimous to forgive somebody three times. That there was sort of this spiritual recipe that if someone offended you the same way three times, and you forgave them that many, there was kind of a three strikes you're out rule. That you, if you did three times, you were above and beyond, and you were a great person. And Peter thought, maybe... Jesus always takes everything to the next level, so I'll double it. I'll go six. No, I'll, I'll go seven. Jesus, seven times? Is that how many times I have to forgive somebody like this? That's a lot for a, for a Jewish mindset, seven times. Verse number 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but 70 times seven. There's a bit of debate as whether that means 77 or whether it means 490. Either way, it really doesn't matter. Jesus is saying the same thing. Peter, there's not really a number. Peter, this, this, isn't, this isn't one, two, three. This isn't, I'm, I'm taking count. I have a tab and I have a ledger of how many times you offend me. That's not what this is about, Peter. There is no forgiveness quota. There is no limit to how many times you should forgive somebody. You aren't keeping track of this. You aren't keeping score on this forgiveness thing, pal. You just need to forgive and operate, walk through life with a forgiving spirit. And this morning, I want to encourage you to make this choice. And the choice is, I choose to forgive those who have hurt me. I know that some of you have already decided, you just heard the title this morning, and you've decided to tune me out probably because you don't feel like forgiving or if I knew the hurt you've been through or how someone had wronged you or what they had done to you, then I wouldn't expect you for, to forgive. And this morning, I do eventually want to encourage you to make a choice but if you're in the boat of, man, I wish that we could just go to another topic and I really don't want to hear this, I'm going to encourage you at least this morning to give the first point, point and a half, an open ear and at least understand what the scriptures have to say. I do not, I do not want you to leave out of here making the decision to hold on to your unforgiveness and to continue harboring bitterness and anger and resentment. I don't want you to do that, but I'm not an idiot. I understand that some of you may choose to do that this morning. You may, but if you choose to do that, I at least want you to make an informed decision. I want you to know what the scriptures say. I want you to know the dangers that lurk for you if you choose to do that. And I want you to at least have the information and hopefully you'll make the choice to forgive those who hurt you. But I at least want you to know the truth. So here's number one, acknowledge the truth of the gospel. We just got to start by just acknowledging the truth of what the good news of Jesus should do for us. Now there's a ton of press given to the topic of forgiveness in the Bible. I do not have anywhere near the time to cover it this morning. We actually about two years ago did a little mini-series for four weeks on forgiveness on Sunday evenings, and even then I barely scratched the surface. So I'm not going to be able to give you all the scriptures. It's, it's 147 times in the New Testament alone. You can word search that. You can study all of it on your own. But both God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of other people have a lot of press in scripture, and forgiveness is this idea idea of I am releasing someone from an obligation that I feel that they owe to me. 
I am taking a debt that someone has incurred with me and I am going to forgive that, to cancel that, to erase that, and to let it go. And you find some of the more famous passages on forgiveness would be like the Lord's Prayer. You would find in the model prayer, one of the petitions is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that is the one petition, the whole prayer, there's one petition that Jesus clarifies when he's done giving them the model prayer. And the petition that he clarifies is that one saying, hey, I know you're really going to struggle with this one. So let me, let me just press into that one a little bit more and clarify that. You find in Ephesians and in Colossians, very similar lines of thinking that we should forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And that's the truth of the gospel, that we have been forgiven so much that we have been released from so much that God has erased all of our debt and as such we should logically be people like Jesus that forgive other people and erase debts ourselves. So when it comes to forgiveness the first thing you have to do biblically is just think about all the times God forgave you. You just have to think about and and stew on All of the massive debt that you had incurred that God has canceled for you. That you and I deserved judgment, yet we got forgiveness. You and I deserved death, yet we got life by faith in Jesus Christ. We deserved hell, yet we get heaven. And we don't have to pay God back and God doesn't remind us of it. You get that? We have been forgiven a debt and now a massive debt that we could have never paid ourselves and now... I don't have to pay God back. He's not going to remind me of it, and he's not going to beat me up over it. And the biblical instruction is think about how that feels. It feels real nice. And take that feeling and give it to other people and be a dispenser of forgiveness. That forgiven people should be forgiving people. That we should be growing both in our willingness and our capacity to forgive those who hurt us. And this is exactly the point that Jesus, if you read the rest of Matthew 18, this is exactly the point that Jesus makes to him. He tells him a story about a man who owed a massive debt. Scholars debate on how big the debt was, but it was so big he could have never paid it off. Most people think it's in the, in the neighborhood of $10 billion that this guy owed. $10 billion is a lot of money, okay? That's enough money to buy the Steelers franchise, buy the Pirates franchise, buy the Penguins franchise, build them all brand new stadiums, give popcorn for forever for free to everyone who ever comes and still have money left over, okay? It's a lot of money. This guy owed that much and he was forgiven the debt and then he found someone else who owed him about 20 grand, which is a decent amount, but nowhere close to 10 billion and he wanted to exact his pound of flesh on him. And the story was meant to say, you've been forgiven by God, 10 billion, don't go exact your pound of flesh on 20,000 or 30 or 40, just forgive people. The biblical truth is that you can run from it, you can hide from it, you can ignore it, but you will not change it. As Christians, we are to be dispensers of forgiveness. We're to be people that forgive others. And I won't pretend that that's quick or easy. I won't pretend that 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 isn't a process or hard. But living the gospel out inevitably means that we forgive other people. Secondly, I want you just to agree that this is a wise choice. Now, this first and foremost is because Jesus has forgiven us. and And there is a sense of duty and obligation inside of this. But beyond that, the Bible tells us that there's actual real personal benefit from forgiving other people. It's not just a, oh, I have to do this. I wish I didn't. There's nothing. It's just difficult for me. No, this is actually supposed to 
give you life and help you. This is what 2 Corinthians says, one of my favorite passages on forgiveness. Paul says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. Look, if you forgive somebody, I forgive them too. I don't even got to know them. I don't got to know the situation. I just know if you're giving forgiveness, I'm giving it too. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, it was for your sakes I forgave it in the person of Christ. Look, I, I, you forgive them, I'll forgive them too. And I'm going to do that because of the person of Jesus. Because of who I am in Jesus, I'm going to forgive. Then he says this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Now that's a line right there. I am forgiving lest Satan should have an advantage over me because I'm not ignorant of his devices. So we forgive people because of all that Christ has done for us and we're to be like him, but we also forgive people because it's healthy for us and Satan will have an advantage over you if you don't. And I don't know how exactly that advantage works, but I know that God knows how life is best lived, and he tells us that it's best lived not giving Satan the upper hand and forgiving others around you and moving through life with a forgiving heart. And the bottom line is that your capacity to move forward in life will be drastically affected by whether or not you will forgive. God has not made you with the capacity to carry all of the residue from the hurts and the pains of your life. He hasn't made you that way. You're not infinite. You're finite. So am I. You can't do it all. You can't say it all. You can't be it all. You, you cannot do that. And life has a way of piling up on you. And hurts from life have a way of piling up on you. And you have to get rid of all of the times that someone has disappointed you, that someone has hurt you, that someone has let you down. All of the rejection that you stuffed away in some emotional closet in your heart and mind. All of the situations that have unfolded in unpainful ways that you wouldn't have chosen for them to go that way, but they did. If you don't do something with the accumulated hurts that you've packed inside of yourself, you cannot move forward in life in, in, in the way you're supposed to. You cannot change the past, but you cannot move forward with all of this emotional baggage that you're just carrying around with you. That's not how God designed you. God designed you to set the baggage down and to let it go and to walk away from it and to, and to find that his burden is light and his yoke is easy and you move forward forgiving. And I know that that's not easy. I know that some of you feel like you're stuck with the bitterness and the anger and the resentment and the unforgiving spirit. I know that some of you feel like it's a fabric of, it's part of the fabric of who you are and you don't even know how to get rid of it. But forgiveness is a gift to you from God to say, take this and use this and get out from under the weight of all of the relational fractures. This is something that we need to be experts at because if you're not, unforgiveness because of, becomes a vortex in the center of your life that pulls everything into this destructive vacuum. You will find yourself hurting others around you who haven't even hurt you because, because you're unforgiving. Unforgiveness isn't a private ordeal. You don't seethe in silence and, and it doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't work that way inevitably you will end up causing people around you to suffer because of the unforgiveness because someone hurt you and you don't even want to hurt them. But all of a sudden it starts to, to seep out into the tone of all of your conversations. All of a sudden it leaks out in disrespect or impatience. It shows up in your temper. It shows up in your rashness. And it's all because some hurt has gone underground and is, and is 
it's rooted itself inside of you and it's boiling over into all of the relationships around you. And you have to, you have to let it go. To make matters worse, many Christian people know they should forgive, but they're still stuck in the unforgiveness trap. And they're still stuck just either bristling at the instruction or justifying their unforgiveness away. And we tell ourselves and we convince ourselves many times that, that I, it's okay, I can, for, I can just push it to the side, I can just try to forget about it, I can just let it lie. And over and over again, we come up with these, with these reasons to justify our unforgiveness, but it doesn't work. I want to at least take a little bit of time and tell you a few reasons why people don't forgive or they justify their behavior. Perhaps one of these is you, and I'll, I'll try my best to, de- to debunk them. Some people don't forgive because they say the hurt is too big. And I do not want to minimize whatever has happened to you. For some of you, I know your stories. For many of you, I don't, and I have no idea. And I do not want to minimize it, and I don't want to act like it's, like, it's, like it's piddly or it's nothing. I don't want to act like that. But the size of the offense and the scope of how big it hurts you and the magnitude of it is not a reason to hold on to it. Honestly, the bigger the offense, all the more reason to let go of it. Because if you hold on to that, it will hurt you even larger than the small offenses that people have given to you. And I tell you out of love that the pain will not get smaller because you hold on to it. It will not get smaller because of your unforgiveness. In fact, it will only increase. And if you've done this or you're doing it right now, you know that what I'm saying is true. Some people don't forgive because they say that time will heal it. Ever heard this verse? Time heals all wounds. First opinions, one, one. (laughs) That's not a verse. And time does heal some things, but time will not heal your unforgiveness. I don't care how many pages on that calendar you flip. It will not heal it. Days will turn to weeks that will turn to months that will turn to years and it will not magically disappear. And I wish it would. I wish there'd be a little bit of pixie dust and it would just go away, but it won't. It will not disappear. And if you, if you wait and you wallow just over time, it's not gonna heal itself and it's not gonna go away. Some people say, well, I will forgive. I have a forgiving spirit. I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. Lots of people actually quote a Bible verse for this one, Luke 17, three. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, Forgive him. And that's, that's a true verse. That's saying that if, if you have a problem with your spouse and they wound you or they hurt you, that you may express to them, hey, that hurt me. That felt unloving. That felt disrespectful. That, that felt some way. And they perhaps may say, I apologize. I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt you in that way. Will you forgive me? And your job is to forgive them. So that's true. But that is not the only instance where you have to forgive somebody. The Bible is explicit on this, that we should have this immediate unilateral forgiveness whether they ask for it or not. So when they ask for it, you do give it. That's what the verse says. But when they don't ask for it, you still need to give it. No one asked Jesus to forgive him while he hung on the cross. Nobody was at his feet begging and groveling, saying, please, will you forgive me? But yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Nobody asked Stephen to forgive him before they chucked a stone at his head. But yet you find Stephen, before he's martyred, he says, Lord, don't lay this charge to their account. Lord, forgive them. Don't hold them accountable for this. I'm letting them go. And if you're waiting for them to say, I'm sorry, I hate to break the news to you, but that day ain't coming anytime soon. 
As a matter of fact, it probably never will come. I hope that it will. It'd be great if it would. But more than likely, more than likely what they're doing, instead of thinking of ways to apologize to you, they're probably out doing the same thing to somebody else and hurting them in the same way that they hurt you. That's probably what's happening. And you have to know that it's not your job to make them feel sorry. It's not your job to make them apologize to you. Your job is to understand that God in his grace is trying to put you on a path to a better life and he's trying to help you see that you need to have a forgiving spirit and you need to work through life forgiving people and releasing yourself from the bondage that is unforgiveness. Your job is not to, is not to resent them so hard that they'll see it inside of you and then they'll realize how they've hurt you. They will see how angry I am. They will see how frustrated I am. They will see that they, they RSVP or they're going to the family function and I, I will say I'm not going if they're going to be there and they'll see this and they'll see it inside of me and then eventually they'll turn around and they'll recognize how deep they've hurt me and, and then they'll apologize to me. That is a pipe dream. It does not work. It will not work. Your job is to understand that you have a burning coal called unforgiveness, and the tighter you squeeze that sucker, the more it burns your hand, so you've got to let it go. You, whether they let it go or not, it's your job to let it go. Some people say, I can't forgive if I can't forget. Pastor, I can't forget the memory. I can't forget the pain. I can't forget what some of you right now, it's, it's playing through your, through your, through your mental uh, repertoire right now. Uh, Pastor, I can't, I cannot forget it and, and I, I want to forget it, but I can't forget it so I can't forgive. And that's backwards. You have to forgive so that you can forget. It doesn't, I forget and then I forgive. It doesn't work that way. Unforgiveness is the choice to cherish the injury and to hold on to it and to choose not to forget. So you have to choose to let go of it and to say it's only then that I forgive somebody that the hurt will potentially begin to fade into the back of my mind. And I can't promise you that it will fade completely, but I can promise you that if you make an effort to, to be forgiving and to forgive them, that over the course of time, that will fade. Joseph, who was wronged severely in the Bible, was almost murdered by his brothers, instead was thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery, then was put into prison wrongfully. His brothers staged his death and, and fooled dad and caused all of this hurt, all of this damage. And Joseph gets to close to the end of his life and he has Manasseh. And he names Manasseh Manasseh for this reason. Genesis 41 says, I will call my firstborn Manasseh for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. God has allowed me to forget the pain. And that's what I'm naming my firstborn. I, I, want, I want to remember through his name that God helped me to forget. And by God's grace, the, the oil of the Spirit can heal those wounds that you will never heal yourself. Some people don't forgive because they say someone has to make them pay. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to be unforgiving because someone has to make them pay. If I don't, then they're just going to do what you said. They're going to be out doing the same thing to somebody else and hurting somebody else. So I have to exact the pound of flesh and I have to make sure that they don't get away with it. Now, if someone's doing something criminal or someone is molesting children or those sorts of things, they should go to the authorities. You get that. But many times it's, it's not that and it's I want to make them pay. And forgiveness in the truest sense, biblically, a Christian forgiveness is understanding that I'm not going to try the case I'm going to submit that case to a higher court. 
I will take myself off the bench. I will recuse myself. I'll take the robe off. I'll put the gavel down. And I'm going to put God on the bench. And I'm going to give him the gavel. I'm going to give him the robe. And I'm going to understand that he will judge the case. And God, I submit the verdict to you. Whatever you decide. God, I, I don't need to do this. It is yours. Understand when you do that. When you forgive and you give it over to God, that they are not getting away with it. You are getting away from it. That's what's happening. It's not that they get away with it. God's just and he'll take care of it. You're getting away from it. This is why Romans can tell us, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath or let the wrath go. For as written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And based off that instruction, you can hit the next verse. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, which so many people have twisted. Yeah, be nice to them, and then that'll really get them. Coals of fire on the head is you had your fire went out. Your neighbor's fire was burning. You'd take a bucket. They would put hot coals in the bucket. You'd walk on your head back to your house, and then you would start your fire. That's a helpful thing. It's not a hurtful thing. It's only then that you can understand that it's God's. I give the case to him. I turn it over to him. It's his. So now I can love them. I can be kind to them. I can be merciful. I can forgive them. I'm walking away. So don't fall into the unforgiveness traps. Don't justify your unforgiveness. Except it's a wise choice. It's for your own health. It's for the best if you will walk away from it and you will forgive them. Thirdly, and most importantly, this is the part where I try to encourage you to really act on this. Activate your will and just, to, just decide today to forgive. Like today. Like right now, like in this moment, where you sit. Understand that you have a chance to choose forgiveness today. And many of you, I don't know your story, but I know you've detoured and you've delayed your forgiveness for a long time and you know it's been an ineffective strategy. You know it has not helped. And the choice lies before you. You say, Pastor, okay, I want to choose. But how? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you three clarifiers and I'll be done. Understand this. Forgiveness is not trust. Okay? The fabric of trust takes a long time to rebuild. Because you forgive somebody does not mean that you trust them fully and completely. Those are different things. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. If you and I are business partners and you embezzle money and you tank the company and you steal everything, it's my job as a Christian to forgive you and not try to get my pound of flesh from you. But I'm probably not signing up for a new business venture with you tomorrow. I'm probably going to pick a different business partner. And that's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we jump right back into the same boat and we just pick up exactly where we left off. It, it may mean that you forgive your family, but you don't necessarily have a family reunion with them at your house next week. It may be that you forgive your spouse or your ex-spouse or whoever it is, but it may not mean that, that things are being pieced back together immediately. So understand that forgiveness, it's not necessarily trust. It's not reconciliation. What forgiveness is and what you got to know is that it is a moment and it's a marathon. Forgiveness is a one-time thing and it's an overtime thing. Today is a moment. Today is I'm going to make the choice. I will forgive. I understand that my unforgiveness is actually wrong and unbiblical and is sin. And I'm going to make that choice. I'm not going to defend it. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to cherish it. I'm not going to review it. I'm not going to explain it away. I am going to just say I don't want this in my life. I choose to forgive. But understand, after that moment, the marathon will begin. 
This may be what Jesus was alluding to when he talked to Peter and said 70 times 7. I read that and think 490 times, just get away from the psycho. Like if they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, just move out of state or something, get away from them. Perhaps that's what he meant, but perhaps he meant that you forgive them and the pain of the hurt comes back and you have to forgive them again. Perhaps you forgive them and then you find out more information and then you have to forgive that. Perhaps you forgive them, but then the consequences of their actions come back and they haunt you and then you have to forgive them again. I think some of what Jesus is saying in the 70 times 7 is be prepared for the long haul. Hold, hold on to your seat because this is going to be a journey. This is going to be a marathon that you are going to have to do this over and over and over again. I understand in a church this size that some of you rub each other the wrong way. Some of you have hurt each other. I can't think of, of many specifics right now, but I know that that inevitably is there. Perhaps you're in the second service because they are in the first service. I don't know. I want you to make the decision this morning to forgive them, but next Sunday when you see them, you probably won't have thoughts of giddy joy. That's real, right? You probably won't magically jump to let me give them a donut and just be a blessing to them all the time. Probably you'll forgive them and then you'll see them and all of a sudden the memory or the hurt or the pain will, will start to creep its head back up again and you're gonna have to play whack-a-mole and you're gonna have to bat that thing down again. You're gonna, you're gonna have to, to tell yourself, I chose to forgive, I'm letting this go, I erased the debt, I'm not reviewing it anymore, I'm not bringing it up to them, I'm not, it's over, it's done with. You're gonna have to tell yourself over and over and over again and there are gonna be times in your marathon that you're gonna fall down. And you're going to have to pick yourself back up and you're going to have to have another moment where you say, God, I've fallen into the trap again. I'm justifying it again. Lord, forgive me for my unforgiveness. I want to move forward. You're going to have to do that over and over and over. But if you will do that, I can promise you, if you will commit afresh to let it go and to make the decision that there will come a time where you can think of the person or you can think of the pain, it will no longer trigger the old responses. It will no longer drudge up all of the hurt and all of the turmoil again. There will come a time if you will do it over and over and over again that you will get to a point where it does, as Joseph said, the Lord hath made me forget all my toil. It'll happen. Maybe not completely, maybe it will be completely, but the Lord in his grace will allow that to happen if you'll choose to forgive. I think a fitting example of a man, I've used this maybe once before in some sermon somewhere, was David. David had a lot of beauty in his life, but David had a lot of deep flaws. Most people don't think of David as a bitter, resentful, unforgiving man, but he died a bitter, resentful, unforgiving man over something that was petty. It was dumb. David had a way that he could weep over Absalom, who completely stole the kingdom from him and tried to kill him, but he had some really little petty things that haunted him. The most specific one that you find in David's life is the story of Shimei. Absalom steals the kingdom from David and David is on the run and he leaves Jerusalem. And as he leaves Jerusalem, a guy comes along named Shimei and he begins to throw stones at David and he begins to call him names. And the men with David say, let us go handle him, let us go kill him. And David says, let him alone, it's not a big deal. Time goes on and Absalom is killed and David returns to Jerusalem to assume the kingdom again. And wouldn't you know it, on the way out, Shimei threw stones and he cursed him. 
on the way in, Shimei meets him again. And Shimei falls down and does what some of you have hoped people would do for you. He apologizes. And he begs for forgiveness. He says, David, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't know what I was thinking. And David acts aloof. He acts like it's not a big deal, man. And he swears to Shimei, I will not hurt you. I forgive you. It's done. It's over. It's not a big deal. It was, just, it was a couple pebbles and a few names. Whoop-de-doo. And he goes on. Eight years later, David is on his deathbed. And David, on his deathbed, which I'm always interested in people's last words, David gives instruction to Solomon, and he says, Shimei, that whorehead, which means grayhead. He says, the grayhead man, kill him. That's his instruction. Take Shimei and kill him. Do not let him die in peace. Go take care of him. Now, I don't know what happened in between the moment where Shimei begged forgiveness and David said, I forgive you. It's not a big deal. It's done with. I'm putting it away. And eight years later, where he says, go kill him. But something happened in there. Like the marathon did not go well. Somehow he began to revisit that. He began to conjure that up again. He began to allow that anger and that feeling and that disrespect and how he hurt me and how dare he. I'm the king. Who is he? He began to let that go beneath the surface and it began to have a root of bitterness and that root of bitterness springing up troubles us. And all of a sudden you find him dying, an angry and bitter man. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Decide I am going to forgive now, but I'm going to prepare myself for the long haul, and I'm going to let that go 70 times 7. I'm going to go over and over and over and over again. My job is not just to forgive today. My job is to forgive today and to walk through life open-handed with forgiveness just given to people left and right, left and right as much as I can. That is what the gospel demands of us, frankly, but that is what will help you. If you will make this choice, this will save you a world of hurt for the rest of your life. They may be in the room with you. They may be in a different country. They may be living. They may be dead. They may be old. They may be young. It may be one hurt. It may be a multitude of hurts piled up over the course of time. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that every single one of us has been hurt by somebody or somebodies with certain things along the line. And and your job today is to, in your own mind and heart, say, I forgive, fill in the blank, for whatever they did. You may have a lot of blanks to fill in with a lot of people's names. You may have a lot of hurts that they filled in, but fill them in and make the decision, I choose to forgive those who hurt me.